0: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com and always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If I
2: want to talk personally, um, as you saw, my contract is 10 years and I'm not sure how long I'm going to be able to play the game, so I do prioritize winning. That's on the top of my list and that will probably never change and that was one of the reasons why I chose this team.
3: And that's from Shohei Otani's press conference as he was introduced as the newest member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's from his translator. Alongside Bruce Levine, I'm Mike Esposito. We are here with you on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And it's time now to head on out to the Score hotline where we will... Talk Dodgers and free agency, and we're, we're happy to do that on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline, Bruce.
2: And we bring in our good friend, the pre- and post-game co-host on uh, Dodger baseball and Dodger TV. Our good friend Jerry Harrison joins us on Inside the Clubhouse.
3: Jerry, good morning.
4: Hey, Bruce, how you guys doing?
3: We're doing great, uh, Jerry.
4: Is, is that a...
3: Jerry, Jerry, good morning. We really appreciate you you joining us uh, having a little technical difficulty here, but uh, we can still hear you and we want to talk to you about and we just heard Shohei Otani and uh, talking about winning and talking about uh, why he wanted to go to the Dodgers. I I told Bruce earlier that there was not a lot of surprise that he ended up with the Dodgers, but it's still it had to be completed and and the Dodgers uh, made it happen and now a, a 10 year deal for Shohei.
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously here in L.A., uh, Dodger fans are ecstatic having Shohei Ohtani, uh, you know, become a Dodger. You know, you never know when free agency hits. You know, the Dodgers have been targeting Shohei for a while, but, you know, other clubs obviously were interested, and you never knew what other clubs were offering. I just found it interesting, the contract, the way it's structured. It just goes to show that, you know, Shohei Ohtani cares about winning. You know, there's a lot of athletes that say, hey, I want to win. But they also want to get paid, too. Now, make no mistake about it. Shohei Ohtani, that $700 million is a boatload of money. But if you really break it down, uh, for him to get paid the next 10 years, $2 million a year, that goes to show that Shohei Ohtani cares about winning. He wants to make sure that the Dodgers front office and ownership group continues to be aggressive in getting other free agents to surround himself, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, with uh, pitching, with talent, to give themselves the best opportunity at, at chances to win multiple World Series, uh, plural. The Dodger, Dodger front office was asked, you know, the last 10 years, what do you consider uh, how you guys have done the first 10 years of, of, of owning the franchise? And Mr. Walter, Dodger owner, says we consider it a failure. You know, that's why they went out so aggressively to get not only Shohei Ohtani, but they just traded for Tyler Glasnow. And they're uh, rumored to, to be in on other free agents as well. So uh, Dodgers are definitely not done.
2: Jerry, uh, we had a caller earlier ask about uh, the uh, monetizing of the contract and how the Dodgers can afford it. And I, we talked, uh, I've talked at length at times about the $300 million a year that, they, that the Dodgers take in from, uh, from their television deal. Can you explain a little bit about that television deal, how it's guaranteed, and how the marketplace now, uh, where more more Dodger fans are able to watch you on uh, on uh, the the on, on the TV uh, station that's covering the Dodgers?
4: Well, sp- Spectrum is and, uh, is basically nationwide. Uh, the Dodgers signed the TV deal. Uh, I believe it was eight billion. Uh, it was an eight billion dollar TV deal. And I believe it was for 30 years. Uh, so, obviously, <laughs> that's pretty good uh, chunk of change. So, they have exclusive rights uh, to broadcast the Dodgers. That's the, the network I'm on, the spectrum, uh, along with, with games. Uh, so, it is, the, it is all of Dodger uh, baseball. Everything you want to see, Dodgers, they have exclusive rights to it. Now, uh, DirecTV uh, carries our channel uh, along with other um, uh, networks, uh, but it's 24 uh, seven Dodger baseball uh, and the Dodger fans love it. So that's why the Dodgers uh, have been pretty aggressive. Uh, you know, been able to, to have so much revenue come in. Now you pair that with Shoy Ohtani, who is a global brand in, it, in and of itself. Uh, he's without question, the best athlete on the planet. Uh, nobody could throw hundred miles an hour, hit 500 foot home runs and have world-class speed uh, like Shoy Ohtani. So, uh, you put him, you know, with the Japanese market, the huge Japanese market in LA and, and worldwide, it is the perfect marriage. And, you know, talking about the contract, you know, if you really break it down, the value of the contract is around anywhere from 470 to $480 mm-hmm. million. I know it's $700 million he's going to get right. at the end of the of the contract with deferral, deferrals. But the value of the contract today is around $480 million. Uh, so it is an incredible contract. It's impressive that Shoy Otani was willing to do that. But it just goes to show that, you know, uh, he wants to win and he's allowing the Dodgers to uh, back load the end of the contract so they could be aggressive uh, the next 10 years signing other free agents.
3: And talking to Jerry Harrison Jr. from Dodgers pre and post game on television. And, and Jerry, you, you mentioned signing other free agents. It didn't take them long and they traded for uh, Tyler Glass now, but they. Very quickly extended him, and uh, that's exactly uh, the flexibility, I guess, that you were talking about that the Otani deal gives them.
4: Absolutely. Another thing I, I didn't mention, because it's just so broad, Shohei Otani last year, I think ESPN did a story that he brought in anywhere from $72 million to about $80 million in revenue alone. That's just Shohei Otani when he was with the Angels. Now, you put him on the global brand like the Dodgers – what are those numbers going to be every single year? You know, so, you know, obviously it's a whole lot of money from the Dodgers, but when you have a guy like him, who's a global brand, uh, who brings in so much money and revenue, I mean, it's a really a no brainer, you know, so you pay that guy uh, that type of contract, you know, you talk about a guy who's getting better offensively last year, 44 home runs, 140, excuse me, 104 RBIs, uh he is getting better and better every year, just entering his prime on the offensive side. And then from the pitching side, he will not pitch this year. But you have Dr. Elatros, who's the best in the business, perform that surgery. He will be ready to go uh, in 2025 to pitch again. And we know what he does on the pitching side. Uh, so, once again, it is the perfect marriage, perfect storm. And when I hear Shoya Hatani is also in the recruiting you know, trying to recruit uh, his good friend Yamamoto, who is 25 years young. Uh, hasn't even entered his prime yet. Uh, and, you know, hopefully he gets into the mix. I know the Yankees are hot on his tail uh, as well as uh, other ball clubs. But, you know, Shohei Otani's out there recruiting other players too because this is not basketball, you know, where two guys can really make a difference. This is Major League Baseball. You need, you know, a, a, an incredible lineup and, and a good rotation to make sure you give yourself a chance to win. Jerry, does uh, Otani
2: make the, the Dodgers automatic favorite to win the World Series? Or how much work do they have left to do? We, we know they've uh, traded for glass now. They're in on other pitching. But, you know, we saw the injuries that the Dodgers incurred over the last couple of years and how it decimated the rotation. Sure? How much more pitching do they have to add before you consider them uh, even a better team than, than Arizona winning the uh, division next year?
4: Bruce, you know this. I'm a firm believer. If somebody knocked you out the the year before, they're the favorites. So you got to respect Arizona. What they've done, you know, they went to the World Series. In my opinion, they got better. They just signed Rodriguez, who's an ace. Mm -hmm. So they have three aces, uh, and they have a team that has tremendous speed. They play well together. Uh, They play great defensively. So right now, I, I give the nod to the D-backs because I always believe you got to knock out the team that knocked you out before. You know, you got to give them that respect. Uh, so I think the Dodgers are, are right there. Do that? Do I believe they're going to go and get other moves? Yes, because I think they need it. I think Bobby Miller, who's a Chicago kid, is an absolute stud. I think he's an ace in the making. Uh, and we have Sheehan, who's probably about a year away to really being a, a really good starting pitcher in the big leagues. Uh, But he's young. So I think if you get a guy like a Yamamoto, there's other free agents out there. Uh, Corbin Burns is another guy that can go after via trade if they choose to. Uh, But where it stands, I think the Dodgers need at least another starter uh, to really solidify that rotation.
3: Yeah, and Jerry, I was just reading uh, with Clayton Kershaw, longtime Dodger, future Hall of Famer, one of the best uh, of this generation Still trying to figure out what he's going to do next year, and certainly that uh, might play a part as he's coming off of uh, shoulder surgery, I believe, but uh, as he's trying to work uh, work out what he wants to do next year, but Kershaw would certainly be a big part of that as well.
4: I, I would believe so, and I never want to speak for Kersh, uh, but I've known Clayton Kershaw for a long time. Uh, I would be shocked if he's not back Wearing the Dodger blue because you know his last outing obviously didn't go so well at Dodger Stadium. There's no way, as competitive as he is, you know I grew up in Chicago. You know Michael Jordan is, is probably the most competitive person uh, I've ever seen do anything. You know Clayton Kershaw is pretty competitive. Uh, I, uh, if his arm is 50%, I bet everything that he will be out there pitching again. Uh, you don't have surgery to repair what was wrong with his shoulder uh, without having a feeling or having a sense that, hey, i got to make a comeback. I can't leave it like that. I can't end my career like that. Uh, so I I really feel he will be back at some point uh, in the middle of the season.
2: Jerry, how surprised were you with the, the Glassnow deal? Not just the trade, of course, which they need. You know, he, we know... When Glasnow is out there, he's one of the dominant arms in the game of baseball, 161 strikeouts, 121 innings. The guy's just a stud. Staying healthy, he's never pitched more than uh, 21 starts, 120 innings. Uh, What what did the Dodgers see going forward to allow them to extend him five years knowing he's been uh,
4: injury-prone his entire career? It it certainly is a gamble, but Bruce, that is a great question because you're right. He hasn't pitched a whole lot of innings because of injury. I I think it is – I think the way you look at it, the risk is worth it because he's 6'8". He's got – you can make a case he's probably got the best stuff of any right-handed pitcher in all of baseball. When he's healthy, he's lights out. You know, the Dodgers have incredible training staff, incredible doctors. Before they made that trade – Trust me, they went out, looked at his medicals, making sure that, okay, yes, he's had injury. Now, have they correct the problems that he had in his arm? Will he be able to not only rebound, but continue to p- pitch at a high level? So uh, they don't extend the guy unless they see what's going on with his shoulder, with his body, uh, and make sure they review all the medicals. So uh, they love what they saw. Uh, I don't care who you are. you're gonna have some wear and tear, no matter if you're a pitcher or a position player. But they saw the imaging. they saw what he has had in the past, and they felt it is worth worth the gamble because when he is healthy, he's a guy you can plug in game one of any series. That's how talented he is.
3: Last few minutes with Jerry Harrison, Jr. from Dodgers Pre and Post on television. and uh, Jerry, I wanted to ask you about Jason Hayward, certainly one of our, uh, favorites from his time here with the Cubs, although he did struggle uh, certainly at the plate uh, towards uh, the back end of that uh, contract that he had with the Cubs, but uh, a, a nice little rebirth for him last year, and he'll be back again next year, I know, with the Dodgers.
4: You know, Jason where I've got a chance to know, get to know him a little bit uh, this past season. Uh, one of the best human beings I have ever been around. Uh, there's, there's no secret that I don't care who has been in contact with him. They, they sing his praises. He could become a GM. He could be a manager someday. He can do whatever he wants to do when his playing career is over in this game. Uh, that's how intelligent, that's how valued he is in the clubhouse. That said, you know, I know it hurt him not being able to swing the bat the way he's capable of the last couple years in Chicago. He's got so much love for the city of Chicago. Um, and he's, he still has a uh, foundation there, charity foundation there in that city. Uh, he had to change his swing. And this past offseason heading into 2023, he got with Freddie Freeman, he got with our hitting coaches, and he said, you know what, I, I just got to revamp my swing. He worked extremely hard. Uh, he did revamp his swing. He able to stay in his legs more instead of kind of, uh, you know, moving forward. His weight shift a little bit too early. That allows him now to stay back on balls. And he swung the bat extremely well. We all know what he can do defensively. Defensively, is as good as it gets in right field. But the way he's swinging the bat, the way he was able to drive the baseball, make hard contact on a consistent basis, this is allowing the Dodgers to move Mookie back to to second base. So, listen, I know Cubs fans were, were a little frustrated with the way he swung the bat the last couple years. He was frustrated with it as well. But he got with our hitting coaches, he got with Freddie Freeman, and he made the necessary changes, and he looked great swing the bat last year.
2: All right, Jerry, i got I got a trade with the White Sox and the Dodgers. that will make the Dodgers world champions and the White Sox a lot better. Gavin, Lux, Gavin Lux, three young pitchers from the Dodgers who have a tremendous <laughs> farm system for, uh, for Dylan Cease. You you buying or selling on
4: that? Uh, I'm selling on this. I love Dylan Cease. I love his stuff. But we just can't give away Gavin Lux, man. Gavin Lux is our starting shortstop.
2: You know, Dude, she, you, dude you're getting a, a, a Cy Young award winner potentially who has not missed a start since 2019 who's making $8 million this year, $12 million next year. You have him for two
4: pennant runs. What is that worth I'm not saying I, I didn't want him. I'm not saying I didn't want Dylan Cease. I want Dylan Cease, but we can negotiate other players that are in the Dodgers' farm system that can make the White Sox better in the future. You know, Gavin Lux is a guy that's extremely talented, can absolutely fly. He's our answer to what the Diamondbacks are doing. You know, last year, you know, Dodger fans said, we need more stolen bases. We want to be able to run like the D-backs. Well, Gavin Lux provides that. You know, he's got great speed. He's still a lot of bases. He's a shortstop. He would have been our leadoff hitter, if he didn't get hurt. So I expect Gavin Lux to bounce back. And, you know, Gavin, Gavin, I don't know, Bruce, if you know this, he's a Wisconsin kid that's a huge Bears fan. So we need all the Bears fans that we can get here. (laughs) We got Gavin Lux and we got Bobby Miller. And so I get a chance to talk to those two guys about our Bears uh, quite a bit. So. You can't just have Gavin Lux, man. I'm sorry. And yes, I do want Dylan Cease, but there's okay. a lot of guys in our farm system that you guys I'm telling you you guys would love. Jerry,
2: I'm giving you a sure thing. You're you're going for a future potential, sexy potential over a sure thing. You're not you're not taking the sure thing, okay? That is Well, not... you know what?
4: I'm glad you guys like Gavin Lux because he is a really good player. Yeah.
2: Hey Jerry, happy holidays to you and your family. Thanks for being such a good friend all of these years. You do a great job on TV. We'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy the Otani run, okay?
4: I will. And hey, I gotta I gotta give some love to my boy Justin Fields. Keep balling, Bears. Continue to back Justin Fields. Huge game tomorrow. Must win against the Browns. All
2: right. We'll have a, a football discussion with you next time we get you, <laughs> on whether or not you think Fields is uh, is the next Mahomes or not. Okay? We'll, we'll talk All to right. you down good. the line. Have a great day. Thanks again,
4: Jerry. Take care.
3: Jerry Harrison Jr., love it. Uh, the pride of Naperville North and uh, has been around Major League Baseball his whole life. Uh, not to date you, Bruce, but I believe you covered his father when he played with the White Sox. Uh, not, that, not his uh, grandfather
2: it. when he played with the no. White Sox. Right. <laughs> no. So <laughs> so three generations of, uh, of Hairstons uh, from... Uh, And and Jerry and his uh, brothers uh, grew up in uh, Naperville. And uh, just a great family, great baseball tradition. Sam Harrison, the first African-American player in White Sox history in 1951. So uh, great people, great family tradition. And he's turned himself into a heck of a broadcaster as well.
3: Yeah, he's had a nice career on, on both the playing field and in in the broadcast booth, and he's still out there doing Dodgers pre and post game uh, on their television network. I'm glad he's not the GM, Mike, uh, because that, <laughs> trade,
2: that trade has to be made. Okay,
3: that's that's gold right there. He's already he's already shot down your your Gavin Lux idea. I like it, but of course, uh, uh, neither you nor I are the GMs of the team. So, uh, when we return, we will talk to somebody who is one of the GMs of the team. Actually, the assistant GM of the Cubs, Jared Banner, will join us next, and then. Uh, stick around at 11. We have an extra half hour for you today. Scott Boris, the super agent, uh, will join us at 11. And a quick reminder, Jerry took me right here, so I've got to give you this now, uh, our, our football information. Tune in all day on Monday for your reaction to Bears and Lions. We'll see how Fields does. Gabe Ramirez, live overnight from midnight until 5 a.m., followed by Molly and Haw, Bernstein and Holmes, and Parkins and Spiegel throughout your workday. Hang out with us. It's a Plumber's 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and it's notagameillinois.com. All of it right here on 670 to Score and the free Odyssey app. We'll be right back. And inside the clubhouse, Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito with Cubs assistant general manager Jared Banner. Next,
4: to the gentleman who tried to make this personal, it's Shohei, not Shoey. Shohei, one love.
0: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the
3: free... How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's internet built for tomorrow, today.
0: The Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. There's a drive to right center and that's a gapper and that's going to be trouble. No. A great catch by Pete Crow Armstrong. He came out of nowhere. I thought Suzuki might be the closer one. And then at the last second Pete Crow
3: Armstrong came out of nowhere from dead center. What a play he made. That's the Hall of Famer, Pat Hughes, talking about Pete Crow Armstrong. And you could tell Pat thought he had no shot whatsoever, thought that was in the gap. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. When you have a defender as good as PCA, uh, those things tend to happen. Time now to talk a little Cubs. And to do so, Bruce, we head on out to the score hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois.
2: And we bring in the assistant general manager of the Chicago Cubs, Jared Banner, nice enough to take some time out on a Saturday morning to join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Jared, good morning. And, uh, you know, we hear that clip of Pete Crow Armstrong. We saw the 19 at-bats. We saw the speed. We saw the defensive ability. We see the future. But as far as his season coming up in 2024, can the Chicago Cubs count on him as the everyday center fielder on the big team?
6: Morning, Bruce. Um, In in terms of of PCA, I think the the most important thing right now is he got to taste the big leagues in in 2023. And uh, he's already back in in Arizona working with uh, our hitting coach, Dustin Kelly, to prepare for 2024. And like I've always said with Pete, um, we're not putting any ceilings on him. Um, It's not really about expectations or anything like that. We're just trying to help him grow and get better every day. And when that next opportunity comes, I'm I'm sure he'll be ready for it.
3: Jared, uh, talking about uh, PCA, talk about some of the other guys who who are coming up and uh, through the system. And we saw some of them last year, but I know we get a ton of Matt Mervis questions. Uh, If you could maybe give us uh, a little update on what you're seeing or what you're doing currently with Mervis and also Jordan Wicks, a guy who, who had some success last year.
6: Yeah. I actually spoke to Wicks yesterday. He's having a a great off season. He's in the the best shape of his life. I think uh, he really burst onto the scene last year and uh, and impressed us all with his, his poise and um, you know, his ability to get major league hitters out. So we're, we're really excited about his future Uh, in in terms of, of Mervis um, he had, such a, a quick ascent um, in, in 2022 through the system. And then uh, obviously broke into the big leagues last year and uh, didn't perform quite as well as I know he would have, he would have liked to, um, but he's not the uh, the first young player to uh, have some struggles in, in their debut. Um, if you look back, <laughs> I, I think of Anthony Rizzo um, and, and kind of the way he started and then what he turned into the, the legend that, that he became. So, um, Merv is working hard every day. Um, I get videos of him all the time and the work he's putting in, and we're excited about his future as well.
2: You know, when uh, we look at, Jared, the situation with the team, and we see that you've just come back with the rest of the front office from the uh, winter meetings in Nashville, not a lot of activity, but that was on the surface, on the media surface. As far as what you guys were able to do and set up moving forward with conversations with other teams and agents for free agents, how successful do you feel that was as far as gauging the rest of the off season here, setting yourselves up for the acquisitions that you want to make?
6: It's funny that you bring up activity because there there definitely was a a ton of activity um, between the, Free agent market and, and the trade market. Uh, there's there's a lot going on right now, a lot of conversations. Um, and, and really, I think it's about you know, each player has a has a value, and we obviously want to add wins to our, our major league team. And that value we put on each player um, is going to require a certain level of capital from us to, to acquire them, um, whether that be in, in dollars or in minor league prospects. Um, so it's a complicated process in that sometimes the prices of the players we want aren't in line with uh, what we're comfortable paying at the time. Um, and it takes two to tango. You, you need a dance partner. And um, we haven't found that, that dance partner yet, but the party's still going. It's not over.
3: Talking with Jared Banner, the Cubs' assistant general manager. And I know in the uh, age of instant information and all that, Twitter and, and you name it, the the free agency game becomes a different thing, and I know we we've taken uh, calls and we get texts about fans, you know, wondering what the Cubs are doing. But it sounds like, and this has kind of uh, been what we've been talking about, right? It's it's a long off season. Things don't always happen in December, but uh, you guys certainly still have your 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 irons in the fire.
6: Absolutely, and it's a it's a daily process. And uh, trust me, we want to improve the team um, as much as I know our. Our fans do, and um, we're very confident that um, you know, we'll be able to. It's just a question of how and, and when. How much did
2: uh, Otani impact the speed of this offseason as far as uh, being able to acquire players or even talk to other free agents, knowing that uh, you know a certain amount of teams were just waiting for this foot to drop?
6: I think whenever there is a a major name on the market, it can it can slow things down. It's really hard to quantify just how much. Um, but I, I expect, like every off season, um, more things will begin to happen as more dominoes start to fall and and the market kind of gets set. Um, but we'll see. Uh,
2: I wanted to ask you a little bit,, uh, Jared, about uh, Michael Arias. Uh... On uh, Marquee Television, along with you, me, and uh, Cole Wright the other day, we talked a little bit about Arias and his future. And the fact that, uh, you know, other baseball executives and scouts that I talked to uh, rave about his arm and his future. Can you fill us in a little bit on uh, Michael Arias and uh, his uh, transition from position player to pitcher and his future?
6: Yeah, well, Michael's a... uh a Lean, wiry, hard-throwing right-hander. Like you said, he originally signed as a shortstop, um, so he's somewhat new to pitching and, and really burst onto the scene for us last year, throwing a hundred, um, a really special changeup as well. Um, knows how to pitch, and we're just we're just really excited about his future. So much so that we we added him to our forty-man roster. Um, and and I think one thing that really jumps out to me about him is uh, there's not a lot of mileage on his arm because he's so new to pitching. There's a lot of uh, projectability there and room for him to continue growing. So the, the sky's the limit with him, and uh, we can't wait to get him back down to Arizona and keep working with him.
3: A few more minutes with Jared Banner, the Cubs assistant general manager. And uh, Jared, I wanted to ask you about Christopher Morelli, certainly one of the more intriguing players on this team, still a very young guy at, at 24, and we know the pop is there in the bat. But positionally, a challenge, right? I mean, he's played all over the field, but he hasn't necessarily settled on one spot. What what do you sense, uh, what, what do you think the future for Christopher Morell will be positionally? Yeah, I think time will tell.
6: He spent a lot of time playing third base this winter. We introduced him to first base a little bit as well. Of course, he's played the outfield in the past. I, I think Chris is, is extremely athletic. Um and he's capable of doing a lot of different things. So it's really about just refining his, his craft on the defensive side of the ball. As you know, he's still really young. Um, you know, we brought him up to the big leagues directly from, from AA. Um, so th- there's still some level of, of development going on here with a, with a young player. I think most importantly, we think he can impact our team uh, as, a, as a really special bat, uh, and he's proven that um, on many occasions already. So uh, again, it's just a part of the developmental process. He's a, a major part of our, our organization, um, both as a person and a player, and, and we're very fortunate to have
2: him. You know, uh, Jared, when you talk about Morel, you can't teach that type of bat speed. You can't you can't teach uh, that type of generated power. So it, it's exciting for baseball fans like myself and other people to just watch that. Uh, from your perspective. Um, what is what is the top side for him as far as power and the ability to be an impactful, maybe superstar in the game of baseball?
6: Well, Bruce, you know I don't like uh, putting limits or expectations on, on players. But, but like you said, he does some special things on, on the field. And what I do know is that he can get even better than he is now, which is uh, a bit of a a fun thought. So we'll keep working with them on a daily basis to uh, help them keep striving to be the best player they can be.
3: Jared, we saw a lot of young pitchers up last year. I know it was encouraging uh, for for the uh, Cubs fans to see it after after a number of years of struggling to develop pitching. We had a lot of guys. Uh, we mentioned Wicks already. Woznieski was a guy you guys traded for, but lots of guys like Alzali, Assad, Ben Brown is a name we've heard. What can you tell us about some of the young pitching that, you know, maybe we haven't seen yet at the big league level, but uh, you expect to be here uh, sooner rather than later?
6: Yeah, well, firstly, I think it's a, a, a lot of credit due to our pitching department obviously Tommy Hadivy at the major league level and, and Daniel Moscos and down through some of our uh, pitching coaches in the minor leagues, Casey Jacobson, James Ogden, these, these guys do a, a wonderful job. Um, and, and it's been really impressive to see some of the young arms come up. Um, hopefully, we can continue to uh, send quality arms up on, on a regular basis whenever we need them. Um, a name that jumps out is Ben Brown, um, who unfortunately got hurt towards the end of last season, um, so we didn't get to see him debut. But he was he was one of the names that was on the radar um, to to potentially help out um, late in the season. So might be a name for you guys to keep to keep an eye on philosophically uh,
2: Jared uh, certainly I know you know you from a development part of your career and it's been a, an impressive one at, up to this point but now as a uh, assistant general manager involved in trade talks uh, and uh, dealing with agents what what is the the next area uh, and level that you feel you personally have to hone your skills on? to continue on your track and hopefully as a a general manager in the not too distant future.
6: That's a, that's a really good question, Bruce. I think, um, when I, when I look at at guys like Carter and and Jed, they're, they're such great leaders, um, and their ability to create process, um, create feedback loops and inspire other people. Um, and I think being a leader is the key to any, any position in baseball. And I think you can, you can lead from wherever you are, regardless of um, who you are. So I I think my goal is to continue to lead continue to put, put our, push our processes forward, continue to try to be creative and and innovative in everything we do um, and try to influence others to, to do the same. I think that's, that's what Jed does. That's what Carter does. And, um, you know, I hope to do the same.
2: Philosophically, the Cubs organization, when Theo and Jed came in, were prone to developing their own closers, their own back-end people. There, there have been a few contracts along the way with Kimbrell and Davis uh, that they, they've partaken in. But for the most part, they kind of shied away from long-term contracts for closers, especially guys that had had good careers, but you never know when those arms are going to go after the age of 29, 30, 31. In the case of, you know, a free agent like Hayter, what would be the philosophy out there, uh, knowing that it's usually a long commitment for a lot of money for a guy that still may be the best closer in the game? Well, I think
6: when it comes to building a team, in an ideal world, you would have your own players that, you've required at a young age and develop your system to fill every spot. And that's, that's pretty idealistic, but um, that is the, the goal. And anytime you can't do that, I think you have to reach externally outside of your organization. And I think everyone knows with free agency in order to sign free agency, you normally have to go outside of your, your comfort zone. It's never uh, easy to sign long, um, very expensive deals with, with any player necessarily. So, Um, I I think the goal is to fill as many holes that that we can by drafting and developing and optimizing our our players really well. Um, And then when we do need to uh, reach externally, it's about having a strong process, um, gathering all the information, comparing the information alongside our short and long-term goals, and then try to make the best decision that we can, and then stacking good decision on top of good decision after that.
2: Jared, uh, Mike and I really appreciate your time today and uh, congratulations again on your promotion. As I say, uh, I, I look at you as a, a future general manager very soon. That's not to blow any smoke in your direction. It's just the uh, the quality of your career and, and the way that you're trending. So all the best to you and your family during the holiday season. Thanks again for uh, joining us today.
6: Thanks for the kind words, Bruce. Appreciate that. Talk to you soon. Okay. Take care.
3: Jared Banner, the Cubs' assistant general manager, and uh, as you mentioned, Bruce, uh, an up and comer in the uh, baseball industry and a guy uh, uh, that uh, will likely uh, ascend to the big chair at some point, but uh, currently the assistant general manager of the Cubs. And you heard him talk about uh, both free agency and uh, the, the pitching uh, development uh, group that they have here, and uh, lots to react to there. So we want to talk to you about it. 312 644. Six seven six seven. We also have uh, Brian Bannister that we talked to and Jerry Hairston Jr. We've been guest intensive. We want to talk to you during this next segment. So please give us a call or shoot us a text 312-644-6767. Top of the hour, we will talk to Scott Boris, the baseball super agent. Represents so many of the game's greats, and we will uh, ask him uh, some insightful questions about free agency and the like. Scott Boris, after the top of the hour, when we return, though, your reaction to what we just heard from Jared Banner, the Cubs' assistant general manager, and our other guests here on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse. Let's see what the Cubs and Sox are doing in the offseason on Sports Radio 670 The Score and always live on the free Odyssey app.
3: And we are back at Inside the Clubhouse. Scott Boris joins us at the top of the hour. Talk all things free agency and uh, we'll have lots of uh, questions for him about Cody Bellinger, I'm sure. But Bruce, as we return here we've been very guest heavy a few minutes to to hit the phone lines before we talk to scott and let's head on out to the southwest side jerry is up first on inside the clubhouse hey jerry
7: hey guys i did want to talk just briefly about the otani deal so i'll share from my viewpoint when it when the news came out in the 700 million dollar deal right i was just all my friends was how did they get him to pay that much it was the shock right i think He went over 500 million, then he goes over 600 million, he gets 700 million. And then when the news came out a few days later about the deferrals, everything switched to why did Otani decide to do this? Why did he agree to sort of defer so much of his money? And it became this thing about how selfless he was. So my take is, and I want to ask you if you sort of agree with this or you think I'm crazy, but I think what was the main driver for Otani, knowing what we know about him, he really wants to set records. He wanted that $680 million record that Messi had, he wanted to break that record. And I, I have to think that no team was going to actually give him $680 million unless it was gigantically deferred. And that's why I think that he agreed to do the huge deferrals because he wanted, I think his main, he wanted to play for the Dodgers. I know the question is wanting to win and all that stuff, but don't you think that was a huge driver of why that deal was structured that way so that he could actually promote and say, I am now the largest contract in the history of sports. That's-
2: yeah. So you're, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Look, uh, the, the, as Jerry Harrison, our guest, the top of the hour said, uh, the the real value, uh, the present value of that contract is actually about 470 million dollars. Okay, which is a, a ton of money, and it also gives him the highest average salary per year of any baseball player in history, uh, surpassing Scherzer and Verlander at 43 million dollars a year. So, so the the reality, Mike, is that he'll be getting paid like 46. $47 million a year with the present value of the contract considered, meaning this contract is going to be paid over a 20-year period. The the dollar will not purchase what it what it's purchasing today 20 years from now. So that said, right. that's why the present value is about $460 million, which is he's going to have to get by on that. I don't know how he will, but uh, <laughs> here, here's the other part. That um, Jerry in the Southwest Side doesn't consider. Uh, he's going to make somewhere between forty and fifty million dollars a year in endorsements. Okay, it's going to be huge. It, that might be a, a low figure for him if he stays healthy mm-hmm. and he is the face of baseball for the next five or six years. I'm not saying ten. Okay, not projecting him that far down the line. But right now, he is the Michael Jordan of baseball, okay? He can name his price to endorse things. Money is not ever going to be a problem for Otani. So uh, player association-wise, setting the bar at really what is $46 million a year for the top player in the game, that is where it's at right now.
3: And, Bruce, uh, before we get to Scott Boris at the top of the hour, a uh, text I'd love to have your reaction because I thought this, too, is as we were talking to Jared Banner, and he talked about uh, looking at free agents and them having a value on a player and having the value match up with what you know the Cubs are willing to pay a, a, a few of the textures, And I know a lot of our listeners probably uh, did not necessarily like hearing that, thinking that if you want to be a player out there in free agency, you've got to be willing to spend. And that sounded to this texture like the Cubs were not, uh, willing to, to get out there and get up there at some of the offers? Your, your reaction to that?
2: The Cubs offers were over $50 million a year for multiple years, maybe upwards of 10. Okay? So if you don't think that's enough, um, would, the, the, the present value would have been more than what he's getting right now. Uh, if you don't think 50 to $55 million a year uh, offer is a sincere one and a serious one, uh, I can't help you out. All I can tell you is this. Uh, The Cubs have moved on from that. You won't hear them talking about it. They won't brag about finishing second or third. Uh, They don't believe in that. It doesn't really do them any good to put that out there. I can just tell you from my sources that their bid was intense. It was high. He decided not to come to Chicago and meet with the Cubs. His agent, Nez Bilelo, did take contract offers from the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs were always serious about trying to bring Otani to Chicago.
3: Well, as we uh, talk free agency, we will talk to uh, one of the biggest and best in the business, Scott Boris. The super agent will join us when we return here on inside the clubhouse, but we'd, Quickly like to welcome a new partner to the score. Schmaltz Deli has been around almost 20 years, started in Naperville. They're now about a half mile away in Lyle on Ogden Avenue, a traditional deli with a drive through You don't see those every day, but a traditional New York-style Jewish deli. Uh, one of the most popular there in the western suburbs and sports fans. Uh, you can go there and watch your sports. They have all of the packages there, so you can have a beer with your sandwich Get the best corned beef sandwich in the area. Gift cards here during the holiday season. Buy 100 and get $10 for yourself for free. Schmaltz Deli would like to welcome you to Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. We'll welcome Scott Boris in next when we return on Inside the Clubhouse. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island